Hello and welcome to the No More podcast, hosted by UK Says No More. Each week we'll be discussing a different topic around the issues of domestic abuse and sexual violence with the aim of raising awareness, making a difference and educating. Today we're here with Amanda Saint and Rose McGinty. Um, So hello both. Hi Marcus. Hello Marcus, I'm good, thank you. So if we could just get a slight uh, introduction about both of you, who you are, what you do, and your involvement with Retreat West. Okay, so I'm Amanda Saint, and I am the founder of Retreat West, which is a creative writing company that I started six years ago. And from that, in 2017, I founded Retreat West Books to publish anthologies of short stories and novels. And the Word for Freedom anthology is one of the charity books that I'm publishing this year because I wanted to make sure that my publishing house worked with the community to make a difference as well as publishing great stories. Lovely. Okay. And Rose? Hi, I'm Rose McGinty. I'm an author. I published my first novel last year, Electric Souk, and I also uh, work with Amanda at Retreat West as an editor and creative writing tutor. And previous to this, I worked for 25 years in the NHS. And Amanda has been uh, very humble and not mentioned that she's also an author and has published her own uh, uh, novel uh, last year as well. <laughs> oh, lovely. So we've got two authors. Very very exciting. And a little bit about the Word for Freedom as well, the anthology. So how did that come about? Um, So last year I was working in the East End of London for the NHS and I was approached by one of my colleagues who is an organiser for the 100-year march, which is taking place this November, retracing the steps of the Bow suffragettes through to Westminster. And she talked to me about how the committee were hoping to involve lots of other people, particularly from the creative world, musicians, dancers, writers, photographers, to be inspired and have their own spin-off projects. And I was very inspired by this. I'd recently seen the film Suffragette about the Bow uh, Suffragette movement. And it struck me that many of the issues that the women were campaigning for 100 years ago were still as relevant today. In fact, I saw many of those issues being played out in my work in the health service. Um, And I was also very conscious that many women writers were involved with the suffragette movement and how they gave voice to women. And it just chimed with me uh, immediately because I knew that Retreat West and Amanda's uh, passion was very much for finding new voices and supporting people to become writers. And I thought we could perhaps bring together an anthology of stories that would give new writers a publishing platform um, and bring attention to those issues that were still uh, very much live today, a hundred years on, as well as celebrate the uh, memory of the suffragettes. Mm. I think it's, it's for one, it's perfect timing, you know, as you say, a hundred years on and it's, it's not confined to history. The issues that, you know, were an issue then are still an issue now, really. Um, so to marry that with 
shining a light on new talent is a very beautiful thing if you wouldn't mind me saying <laughs> it's just a very inspiring thing i think and then especially alongside the anthology and its release the funds made from the anthology are going to hestia is that correct it is yes lovely so obviously hestia is uh, the facilitator of the uk says no more campaign and one of their many services is to support uh, women affected women and children affected by domestic abuse um, so we are the largest provider of uh, refuges in London. Um, so why Hestia? What sparked your interest in Hestia as a charity and the stories of the women who uh, use their services? Um, the 100-year march will be supporting a number of different charities and one of those is Hestia. So uh, that was the proposal that was put to us by the 100-Year March organisers when we said that we hoped that the uh, anthology could also uh, support a, a charity as well. Um, but I think both Amanda and I were very struck by the support that Hestia give to a whole range of people in crisis, whether it's through domestic abuse or mental health issues or immigration issues, poverty, um, it seemed a very inclusive charity uh, and one that does very good hands-on work as well as campaigning. Um, so it, it just, I think, struck a chord with both of us. Yeah, I think the campaigning element as well, as you say, the, the, the march coming up soon is... It's not only going to be about celebrating, but it is going to be raising awareness for the people whose stories still, unfortunately, aren't told. Um, so on, on that note, what made you want to campaign alongside UK Says No More? Because obviously Retreat West has very recently, just uh, last month, I believe, joined us as a partner. Um, what sparked that interest in? I think the services that Hestia are providing are great and the UK Says No More campaign is so important. I think the Me Too campaign that happened earlier this year really highlighted for me how much everyday se sexism there still is that women have to deal with and the flood of stories that came out when the Me Too campaign took off really made me stop and think about the experiences that I've had as a woman in my life, in workplaces, on public transport. And it just really struck me that this is something that isn't actually getting that much better for a lot of women. So I wanted to use the book to highlight that. And I partnered with UK Says No More to show that I'm completely behind the work that they're doing. I think as well, when when you do have an interest in, in these sort of things, whether it be from an author or writer's perspective or from a campaigning perspective, you do get an insight into just how much it's still happening and how much these issues are still prevalent and they're not subsiding at all. You know, sexual harassment in the workplace is half of all women have experienced that and domestic abuse affecting one in four women in their, in their lifetime. These issues very much are still modern. They are contemporary issues that we still need to work on. Um, with regards to the anthology and the stories that were told within the anthology, were there any common themes that you were um, that arose that you sort of thought, yeah, that this is clearly affecting more people than we realise? Um, I don't think that it made me think that it was affecting more people than we realise. I think that we all know that it still goes on. I think what surprised me was the level of hope that there was that flowed through all of the stories that despite that 
we are going to make a change and that things are are getting a lot better and that there's a lot more opportunities for women nowadays to be independent and live their own lives even though we still have a long way to go and I think that that really shone through in the stories that are featured in the anthology. What about for for you Rose what were your thoughts reading the anthology on a, on, a, on the first time you read through it? Um, well I think two things struck me firstly was that we had a really good range of stories about the issues that do affect women and um, other people uh, in today's world from domestic abuse through to unhappy marriages, the need for good health care, the need for education, the impact of war. Um, but as Amanda says, all um, with hope and resilience and independence and strength shining through those stories. Um, but the other thing that really struck me was that as well as um, I suppose, very realistic stories. We also had a number of stories that were written set in other worlds, be they fairy tale worlds, worlds of the future, dystopian realities, um, but all still shone that light on those key themes and brought a very different perspective to those themes. And one which I think gives you food for thought about, goodness, are we going to go into a world 200 years hence where these issues are still as live as they are today, a hundred years from when the suffragettes were first campaigning about them. It does make you think, um, you know, like you say, hundred years since suffragettes and then recently Me Too and where in the future, where will we be? And will we be looking on the Me Too movement and the Time's Up moving and, and social media as a platform and, and reflecting on it in that same in the same way we're doing now? you know, 100 years past and how much has changed or what are the what are the new issues. But I think I think you're right. Tackling with tackling it with creativity is incredibly important. And I think that's definitely something that we're trying to do more of is, you know, using our platform to write blogs and create podcasts like these and, and videos. And I think though those are the things that are resonating with with people. And I don't know, bringing bringing it to like what's happening and how real it really is. Um, so what about the submission topics bar obviously the sort of utopian and other otherworldly stories were there any submission topics that did surprise you I'm trying to think back now we read an awful lot of stories <laughs> in the submission process um, but yeah I think that what surprised me is rather than the topics is going back to that level of hope that was shining through in all of them and that even though a lot of the topics were quite harrowing, that there was always that hopeful element in the end. Uh, and I think that shows um, that that's how a lot of women, especially in the creative industries, are feeling today. Even though there are still issues that need to be addressed and things that need to be changed, that there is a strong sense that things are changing and are getting better. What more do you think all of us can, can be doing to push that change even further, really? Actually, change can feel very overwhelming, can't it? And it can seem very, very big. Um, and even when we're just addressing with that question, I think, oh, my goodness, how, how on earth do I answer that? But actually, change um, can be small, and it's the smallest changes that can sometimes have the biggest impacts, um, particularly in individual lives. Um, and I'm always uh, sort of struck by you can help 
at least one person and if everybody helped at least one person then that would make a massive difference um, so I think even if it's as small as donating on a regular basis whether it's your time or old clothes or um, money um, uh, to charities like Hestia or even if it's just retweeting information about refugees or um, campaigns giving just a few minutes of your time could make a difference to somebody else that you might never ever see um, so I, I do think it's it's sometimes if we all just did one little act of kindness and gave a little bit of our time that will add up to a bigger change if that doesn't sound too <laughs> too kind of um, uh, saccharine and trite but um, I was gonna I was gonna say I, I've been almost blown away by on social media the level of all the authors that have contributed to, to the anthology how active they are in promoting the anthology and the causes behind it and yes how hopeful they are but how they're just it's, it just seems like a, a family almost yeah the author community on twitter is a bit like that anyway very supportive um on twitter especially the author community because the writing life can be a lonely and challenging one when you're constantly dealing with rejection um you need people behind you to say it's them not you <laughs> <laughs> As Amanda was saying to me, even this morning. <laughs> but I think that really ties back very nicely with the um, suffragette movement, because when I was researching the writers who were involved with the suffragette movement, they um, they very much wanted to use their words to highlight the issues and to, um, I suppose, try and turn the minds of people at the time who were very impacted by a male-dominated, uh, a patriarchal, often quite right-wing agenda that was not giving women any kind of recognition or, or voice. So for the suffragettes to get their word out, there were very few channels to do that. There was no social media, obviously. But the way in which they did it was through plays and through stories. Um, and I think that's incredibly powerful and again I think that's what we're trying to do with the anthology those changes get wrought by people's minds and their hearts being changed um, so if one story in our collection can um, have an impact on, on somebody and uh, change their mind about something or open up their thinking um, give them an insight into an experience they might not have had uh, I think that's that's really powerful as well. It is, yeah. And I've just been involved in some research with the University of Southampton around the power of stories to change people's minds. Um, and they used several stories from a different anthology that I published earlier this year, um, looking at what has the most impact on making people change the way they think about something, um, whether it's hopeful stories or ones that are like a disaster scenario. And it was the hopeful ones. And I think that, again, to come back to that hopeful theme, that lots of the stories in this anthology do have that hopeful and often quite playful feel to them that will reach people in a way that 
often news stories about these kinds of issues would never do. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you hand someone a news story on a, on a plate, it, it's just solemn and it's dark and it's depressing. Whereas you know, if you flip it and reverse it and you have the hope to it, you know, we wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing, the anthology or the campaign, if it wasn't for that element of hope. Yeah. And the changes don't always have to be huge. One of the stories that really stands out for me in this anthology is a story of a woman who later in her life is learning, has learned to drive and is taking herself out in the car and listening to the music that she wants to and going to the places that she wants to when her whole marriage had been dominated by her husband who had to listen to what he wanted to in the car and she had to always do what he wanted. And it was a, a very joyful and hope-filled story and also written by the only man that's made it into the anthology. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. How, how did that come about? Well, we didn't know who submitted the stories. It was all done anonymously when we were reading. So it wasn't until we'd already chosen which stories would appear that we knew who had written them. Um, and yeah, and it just turned out that that was the only story written by a man that made it through. Although to be fair, the majority of the submissions did come from women. Did you ever get to speak with him about the story or sort of see where that perspective was coming from? Um, I haven't. The only contact we've had is when we accepted the story and I got a very excited email back, um, which always happens when you accept stories from writers. You get emails filled with exclamation marks <laughs> talking about how you've made their day. <laughs> so that's the only contact we've had so far. Um, but I am hoping that he might make it to the launch party that we're having. Brilliant. I think just going back to the the concept of small small changes, etc. There is... I feel there's a sort of notion where people think that campaigning via social media isn't effective enough. You know, you people, people want you to be going out and protesting on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. But what do you think the role is of social media in supporting Women's Day and in making those small changes? Um, I think that's quite a tricky one because I think in some ways social media has been and can be uh, very positive in that if you are isolated or housebound um, but you have access to social media then you do have a window on the world you can find out information about services for example um, Hestia has a fantastic um, Bright Sky app which supports women who are looking to uh, access uh, support um, when they're in difficult situations. Um, so I think all of those things are really helpful. But I think the world of social media is not the real world, <laughs> and increasingly not the real world. And if that's your only outlet, then then that's that's quite difficult. I think uh, quite often social media can be toxic, portray women in very unrealistic ways can draw attacks on on women um, so it's it's quite a tricky one in terms of is social media and technology really supporting women um, I guess in some respects yes and in other respects no absolutely I think when, when you encounter communities as you say the the author community those are showing the real gems of social media you know and how it really can build togetherness but you're you're totally right there are far too many people or trolls shall we say that are you know, trying to do the opposite and interestingly we have a story in the anthology about a troll um and it's it's uh, quite a delightfully wicked dark humored uh story 
which I think people will, will enjoy. <laughs> On that note, is there a is there a favourite from the anthology? Is that is that uh, off limits to ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should play favourites. <laughs> how how many stories are are actually in the anthology? Uh, it's twenty four, isn't it, Rose? It is, yes. And a number of those are from the uh, competition entries and a number are from established writers as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. And what, what is the sort of hope with the anthology going forward um, over, over the coming months, up to the uh, launch date and then, and then beyond that? That it will keep raising money for Hestia, obviously, and raising awareness of the issues, um, but also that it will help to build a global network of women that are engaged with these issues because there's writers from all over the world that have got stories in this book and also a number of writers that's the first time that they've had a book um, a story published in a book so that it will help writers to find a voice and to get their work noticed as well as helping to support Hestia. Brilliant I think from my knowledge of our, our supporters a lot of them do have very personal stories that they are really wanting to get out there and, and wanting to tell. What would your advice be to, to someone who is looking to either get their stories published or just meet these other people like yourselves who do have that network of authors around them? Um, as in fictional stories or li- uh, real life stories? Well, I think we, we have a bit of both um, on the campaign. Pe- people are wanting to use their creativity to tell their stories or you know, tell, tell their true life story? Um, I would say join a local writers group, um, go to um, a local workshop. You can get lots of low cost, like one-off workshops where you can learn different writing skills and also meet writers. Go on Twitter. It's full of authors. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, uh, Rose? What would your advice be in that area? I would say the same, actually. I When I started writing, I wrote for many years um, alone and wasn't on social media at all. I didn't have Facebook or Twitter, and I was very resistant to the whole notion of that, really. Um, and then I was encouraged to go to a workshop. Well, in fact, I was route marched to a workshop by <laughs> an incredible woman that I know and uh, discovered this whole world of writers and publishers and reviewers, bloggers. Bloggers are a huge support to, to writers and actually to the anthology. Um, and I then realised I didn't need to be alone struggling with uh, trying to get my story onto the page, which is always the first struggle of can I write? Is it good enough? How do I make this um, work on the page? To then when you try to get published and the, uh, as Amanda mentioned earlier, the kind of ups and downs of the publishing route, which uh, is littered with uh, rejections, (laughs) as well as uh, great moments as well. Um, So finding that community uh, is really, really important because it will help you improve your writing. It will give you a wonderful social network. It will help you through the good times and the bad times. Um, there'll probably be quite a bit of wine involved. <laughs> um, and people will introduce you to other people and to a whole array of resources, whether it's 
books or information online or courses, festivals. Um, the writing community is, I think, the most generous community I've ever experienced. I agree. Fantastic. Okay. And um, so thinking about literacy as well, be it stories, blogs, novels, etc., etc., what role do you think they play in tackling the issues faced by women in society today? So I think literacy is absolutely fundamental for all people um, because without literacy, it is incredibly difficult to access the world, to access information, to access services, to know the truth of what's really happening. If um, you're dependent on somebody to do all of those things for you, you have no independence. Um, You're always relying on somebody else to mediate the world for you and translate it for you. Um, And however well-meaning and accurate that might be, it's not the same as being able to read it for yourself and make your own mind up. Um, So I think being able to read is, is absolutely fundamental and even more so in the world today because so much of the world is now online. You can't just go into your local bank um, and do many of the things that we used to do in, in local banks and do it through conversation with somebody. We are expect, expected to administer virtually everything in our lives <laughs> these days and online. So, and often on forms um, and using technology that's quite complex. So having literacy is an absolutely key skill to being able to navigate the world today Um, and also I think it's if we talk about the sort of the creative world and writing um, being able to put your thoughts down play with words read other writers um, it's absolutely key to how people might want to um, express themselves Uh, creatively as well and that is a huge um, benefit to people's mental well-being Um, so you just can't do without words really (laughs) yeah and I think I'd like to add to the literacy element that reading stories can be a huge thing to help people through difficult times as well so women that are stuck in the situations that Hestia supports them through they can feel very alone so I think if you can access stories about people that have gone maybe through similar things or just brought you to a completely different world I think that can be really powerful and a strong tool in helping people to get through absolutely absolutely I mean we we had a podcast a few months back and it was about how it was with a filmmaker um, and it was about how the media be that films music tv books etc etc how reading something or watching something or hearing something that doesn't tell your story exactly, but has elements of your story and your experience, how cathartic that can be and how that can really just change your view on things. Um, so the, the impact is astounding, really, I think. And as a writer, I've, I've obviously been a bookworm my whole life. And I can honestly say that throughout my life, the stories that I've read have had a huge impact on my understanding of the world and what it means to be human being within it mm-hmm. it, sh- it shapes experiences you know it shapes your view on the world really okay so going forward is there any sort of more anthologies planned or any more books what's next for both of you um well no more anthologies planned 
at the moment, but there will be another one in 2019. Um, we'll need to decide on what charity we want to support and what theme we want the anthology to cover. Um, but as I run a little publishing house, yeah, I've always got more books coming up. And as well as this anthology coming in November, I've got an anthology of flash fictions from a very talented writer called Freya Morris, um, which is called This Is Not About David Bowie. And um, yeah, next year there's another, I think, five books on the publishing schedule already, including my new novel, Remember Tomorrow. Lovely. This is very, very exciting. And and Rose, what about yourself? Um, so... I've just recently finished writing my second novel, which is called In Safe Hands and is about a nurse who has to kill to save her patients. It's set in a failing NHS hospital, which is facing potentially closure and uh, has elements of a thriller that is actually quite a commentary as well on um, the, the state of the NHS. <laughs> um, and I'm uh, trying to build my career now around uh, giving workshops, uh, supporting Amanda at Retreat West in developing anthologies um, and an online course at Retreat West, uh, so trying to lead a, a more creative life now. <laughs> <laughs> How, obviously, as you mentioned about the NHS, besides sort of perhaps real life experiences and real life views of the world, what, what else inspires you with your creativity and writing? Oh, that's a really difficult one. <laughs> well, actually, um, what inspires me with my writing is often these kind of pinpricks of trauma, I think, Um tiny memories of things that niggle away at you and you think well why did that happen why is it like that so with the novel that I've just written there were two pinpricks that have been niggling at me for years and years and years and one is the underlying story of the novel and hopefully the uh, two novels that will follow as it's a, a trilogy set around the lives of four children and how some of their playground experiences erupt in their adult lives. Um, and the childhood experience was of uh, watching a fire uh, in a block of flats opposite where I lived as a child and discovering later that week that the fire had been set accidentally by my friend um, in class. And unfortunately, his family died and he was taken out of school and presumably taken into care. Um, and that one, that's always haunted me, that story of whatever happened to that little boy who was my friend and went through what was such a tragic incident. Um, and then the other uh, sort of pinprick was when I first started working in the health service, I worked with a nurse who was incredibly charismatic. She was the star nurse of the hospital, destined for, for greatness. She would be the director of nursing one day. Um, hugely popular, but actually she was a killer and she, she killed in the hospital. Uh, so I experienced in my very first few months of the health service all that that brings in terms of media attention, the trauma for families, the trauma for colleagues and staff, 
uh, because she very cleverly weaved her colleagues into the lies and the alibis uh, that she was constructing. So those two sort of pinpricks were the questions, the niggles that have always sort of stayed with me over the years that I wanted to explore. Mm. I think that's fantastic how, well, obviously both horrifying stories, but fantastic how the real life can trickle down in just into fiction really how, how you can take in elements of, of different life experiences and see them play out in in your imagination and I think it goes back to what Amanda was saying about um reading stories and writing stories as a way of um understanding the world around you understanding yourself understanding people ar- around you um and there's no other way of really doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic. If you're if you're a writer, it's a fantastic outlet. Um, so Amanda, what, what about yourself? What inspires you? Um, different things sort of like take up root in my head. Um, with my first novel, which was about a woman whose husband went missing, that came about because I just kept seeing stories about people going missing, and. It, they all seemed to come along at once and I was reading them in the paper. I saw a documentary about them and I just started to have this idea about this woman whose husband vanished and how she would deal with that. And what would you do if this life that you thought that you were going to have forever with your husband was suddenly no more? Um, and then my new novel is set in the future and it's been inspired by my life writing about environmental sustainability as a freelance journalist and understanding the impact of everything that we're doing today and what that might look like in the future. So it's very much about things that happen in my day-to-day life in the novels that I write. But underlying all of them, I think, is a question about the choices that people make and whether they really are measured and thought out choices or whether people are just blundering through doing the best that they can. Well, I think from both of those and from, from what you've said about what your future plans are, I think you've both got a good 2019 coming up. It sounds like it's going to be busy, but productive. So that's good all around. Um, so I guess just sort of like a lasting final thoughts, really. If you took words to encourage someone to go and grab the anthology, what would be your words for encouragement? Why would you say to someone to go and, go and purchase a copy? Uh, well, first and foremost, because you'll be supporting a brilliant cause and the work of, of Hestia. Um, but secondly, because I think um, the stories in there are refreshing. They cover a wide range of issues, perspectives, voices, experiences. Um, so you're getting a glimpse on a massive world through just just one book full of stories. Um, and they are hopeful. So I think in this world where we're battered by uh, often very negative news stories, um, this anthology tackles difficult issues, but it, it does so with great compassion and hope. Okay, brilliant. And Amanda? I'm not sure there's that much more I can add to that. Yeah, you're supporting a great cause. It's filled with beautiful writing and really talented writers, some of which are already well established and some which are definitely names that people will get to know over the coming years as they publish more. Brilliant okay and so when the anthology is out where are people going to be able to grab it? Um, They will be able to buy it um, through Waterstones and through Foils and Amazon 
through our website. Um, hopefully we'll get some independent bookshops stocking it as well. Lovely. Okay, brilliant. Well, it's been fantastic having a chat with you both and hopefully we'll be able to see all the work that the anthology brings and, and all the experiences that we can that it can showcase, etc. So thank you both very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on the issues discussed in this podcast, visit UKSaysNoMore.org. You can also download Bright Sky for free from your app store for support and information on domestic abuse, sexual consent, stalking and harassment.